0: Um Brother Malcolm, just before I got up here, I want you to note said, Don't worry about the clock. Take forever, or as long as you want. So if you would turn in your Bibles to um where are we going, Tim? First Peter chapter two. But the subject I was asked to talk about is the priesthood of the church, and I guess it's a continuation of your study of what is a New Testament church. And I guess what I want to put out first and foremost today, does it really matter? Does it matter? Is it a big thing? Or sometimes are we just sort of nitpicking, right? I want to kind of think of that as we as we look at this this subject. Uh, 1 Peter 2, we're just going to read a couple of verses, but I want you to... Kind of hold your place there. We're going to go through a little survey of what a priest was in the Old Testament, what a priest should be in the New Testament. Because here we're told, um, 1 Peter 2, just for the sake of time, even though I'm not bound by time, which is great, um, we're just going to read a couple of verses, but let's maybe start reading from verse uh, 2. It says, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And then he qualifies this, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In other words, if you're saved, if you've put your trust in the Lord. And it says, to whom coming as a living stone, disallowed or rejected indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also as living stones, you'll notice the individual aspect there are built up a spiritual house, and then it says this, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And then follow that down to verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, or uh, a people of his own possession is really the thought there. Okay? that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's just uh, begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity of being here this morning, of being able to have the freedom to read your word. Lord, uh, as we read your word, we just would pray for uh, you to empower your words to each of our hearts, that we would... uh, understand what you would desire from us, and we would be obedient to what you say, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so hold that spot in your Bible, but if you want, you could turn back to Exodus, the book of Exodus, and in chapter 28, Exodus 28. We're going to look at the first priests, and uh, we'll notice here that first of all, that they're God-appointed or chosen by God. The first priests, Aaron and his sons, who were from the tribe of Levi. happened to be from that tribe. We find this in, um, where is it? Uh, Yeah, 28 and verse 1. It says, And take uh, to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from the children of Israel, that he may minister to me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons goes on to say, you shall make holy garments or special garments for Aaron, uh, your brother, for glory and for beauty. And it tells us something of the function of what they're going to do in verse 3. Um, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister to me in a priest's office. All right. Now, if you start reading through this, we don't really have time for this but you start to look at how intricate the design of the clothing and every aspect of what they had to do, it's pretty impressive when you think. I mean, what it tells you is God is a God of order. He does have a plan, and he sets it forth very, very precisely. And uh, just following through in chapter 28, we also see that um, another function of it was this. It says, where is it, verse 30 i'm just going to read half the verse i'm going to cut in there when he goes in before the lord and aaron shall bear it says the judgment of the children of israel upon his heart before the lord continually so he's going to go to god on behalf of the people okay it's another function we see it's a solemn thing it's a holy thing now it also tells us in verse 35 it says remember he had these little bells on the bottom of his garment And it says, and it shall be upon Aaron to minister and his sound shall be heard when he goes in the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out that he dies not. So it's pretty, I mean, you'd be a little nervous, wouldn't you? (laughs) You'd want to make sure they're working, everything's going good. You're not going to just do it haphazardly, you're going to do the way you think you're supposed to do it, right? I mean, I know I would, I'd be a little nervous, you know and um of course he he again tells us this that um he says you'll make a plate of pure gold and on it it'll say holiness to the lord in other words this is a pretty prestigious position that you're getting here i want to give you this and it says in verse 43 and they shall be upon Aaron and his son these are the garments when they shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation um, or, when they come near to the altar to minister in the holy place that they bear not iniquity and die, wow so it 's uh when we look at this little ordination, of the rites of the priests it 's pretty it 's pretty intense actually now you 'll also notice as you go through that and you see what 's involved in the animal sacrifice and so on you'll see that it was quite involved. I mean, they had to cut the animal up in a certain way, had to wash it, had to prepare it. They couldn't just go in there and, oh, yeah, not throw it in there, it's all right, you know. It doesn't work that way. Um, I don't know if, you, if there's any hunters here where I am. They're all hunters. But um, if you've ever gone out hunting and you shoot an animal, actually they say the work doesn't begin until after you shoot the animal. It's quite an involved thing when you start to take the animal, and we we'll won't get into all the process, but skinning the animal and taking out the insides of the animal and so on. It's it's messy, it's gross really. I mean it's it's involved. But so you had to be in, in pretty good shape in order to do this as well. But as we start looking at this uh office really of of a priest, we'll see that it was, a, it was a prestigious position, but it was also... They had to follow what was expected of them to do. Now, um, we're just going to go through... And what I want to do is we'll just look at several different examples of people who took this office very lightly. You know, they just... yeah, It's not a big deal, you know? Um, the first one we'll look at is found... Um, well, let's go to Leviticus chapter 10... I'm just going to go through these quickly because we don't really have that much time. Even though I know we, we can go all day if we want, because Malcolm's told me we could. But you might get mad at him. So, but here we see this these same sons, Nadab and Abihu, and it says that they uh, in chapter ten of Leviticus in verse one, it says took either of them and a censer and they put uh, fire therein, and they put incense thereon and offered strange fire. Okay. The idea is unlawful fire before the Lord now there's been lots of different what was that was it drunkenness there's a whole bunch of different thoughts you know what I actually I can't really tell you what it is but it's safe to say this they had their own agenda right they were going to go about it their own way you know they were what's that Frank Sinatra they had his theme song you know I'm going to do it my way and that's really the thought isn't it with a lot of people today I don't care i'm going to go about it the way i th- seem fit and this is actually what happened to him and it says there went out fire from the lord and he devoured them and they died before the lord because their position what they had was holy and they were supposed to not take this thing lightly now he would have given them instruction to do that well the next one we'll look at is the story about um Korah found in uh number 16 now you remember this Remember Moses coming off the mount, and uh, remember the children from Levi, they chose to be with Moses and, and with God rather than following, you know, uh, bowing down to the golden calf and so on. And because of that, God chose them as a special people to himself, right? And uh, here it is a little further on, and Korah, of course, being one of them, um, he leads this re- uh, the revolt there with 250 others, um, who you know in the King James is famous in the congregation, men of renown, and they come up against Moses and Aaron, and 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 his thought is this: He comes, he says, "Look, you guys take too much in yourself. All the congregation, we're all holy." Now, God has specific jobs for specific people, and of course, uh, Moses rebukes him, and uh, he he says to him. Um, you know, that you've taken too much. So God's going to show you who is holy. And um, you know the, you know what happened there. Eventually what happens is he he wipes them all out, 250 of them. But again, you know, the, the thought here is he, he reminds them of their privilege. First of all, he goes, do you think it's a small thing? I mean, God's chosen you above all the other tribes. And yet now you want more, you want more. And so he, he rebukes them with that. Okay, there's another account. Someone who just took the priesthood lightly. Um, we'll look at Jeroboam in First, uh, First Kings. Uh, you know, just prior to that, just a couple other stories we can think of. I think of the story of David. You remember King David when they finally got the ark, uh, and you remember the ark and David, and you can see this, right? David's thinking, "While well, we got the ark, let's build a new cart for the ark. We'll make it." beautiful and he he did right and of course you remember the story as they go along one of the oxen stumbles and what was Uzzah there he puts his hand out to kind of help God out a bit you know and it says God struck him dead (laughs) and David's going like "Whoa, whoa whoa this is he doesn't know what's going on now I mean you got to understand that Uzzah should have known that you had to carry the ark on your shoulders that's that was God's prescribed way that's what you did you don't make a new cart because you want to do it. You don't change things around because you think it'll work better, because that's probably what they thought. I mean, I'm sure they had all the good intentions, right? But we see that that, uh, that God did that. You know, I am thinking, uh, well, the other story um, about taking light the priesthood would, have, of course, been the story about Eli. You remember Eli with his two sons, Phineas and uh, Hophni and Phineas? And you remember, he knew they were rotten. They were rotten to the core. One of the things was they were allowed to take meat. They were supposed to take this flesh hook. It was a hook that had three prongs in it. And when the meat was boiled, they were supposed to dip it down, and whatever meat they got was to feed them. And they said, no, no, give it to us before you cook it. We want it that way. And there was lots of other things they did that were plain rotten. It showed that they didn't know who God was. And of course, Eli, he never even said anything really to them. He said, well, you shouldn't really do that. Well, he was in a position of authority. He should have done something about it. And actually, that's what God said, because you thought more of your, your sons than you did of me. This is what's going to happen. And actually, Eli died, and his two sons died. And you remember the story. You know, the ark gets taken. They, they didn't even understand the whole ark. They thought it was some kind of religious thing that would fight for them. They didn't have any idea, it seemed. And, of course, it gets taken. And when it comes back and Eli hears of it, he falls over and dies. And and then actually, um, what is it, Phineas's wife, she's giving uh, birth to her child. And in the process of giving birth, she's actually dying. And the nurse says, oh, you're in luck. It's going to be a man-child. There's something good out of this anyway. And she says, well, call him what? Ichabod. The glory of God is gone. And she dies too. So it was quite the consequence for not following the Lord the way they should have. And then the story in 1 Kings 13, here you've got Israel, the nation, it's divided. God says to him, I'll tell you what, you can have 10 tribes for yourself. I mean, that should be enough, shouldn't it? But he's a little worried about it, you see, because of uh, there was only one geographical place where they could worship, which was Jerusalem. So what's he think? Well, I'll tell you what. I know that if they are up here and they go back down to there, I'll probably lose some people. That's not good. So what I'll do is I'll make my own. Uh, I'll make them, you know, a couple other places for them to worship. And he, he gets, instead of one calf, now he gets two golden calves. And he sets them up as places to worship. And it tells us in 1 Kings 12, And this thing became a sin, and the people went to worship before the one, even to Dan. And then on top of that, what he did is he just took priests. Hey, you want to be a priest? Okay, you want to be? All right, whoever. And he got them all and he made them all priests. And it says, even though they weren't of the sons of Levi. And then he himself, of course, he offered upon the altar. And because of this, God sends a prophet. And this prophet says, you know what? The bones of all your priests are going to be burnt on your very altar here. They're going to be offered here. And, of course, he gets really upset. You remember that? And he stretches out his hand to get him, like kind of like, oh, I'm going to get you, and God withers up his hand. And now he's kind of, hey, can you help me out here? You know. But it's interesting that judgment came upon him because he just sort of took this office very lightly, even though God saw it as something far greater. Um, the last little account I just want to talk about is found in the book of Judges, in Judges 17. And I just bring this out because I think a lot of times people don't understand. What is a priest supposed to do? We already read earlier that if we trusted Christ, we're actually priests to God. And we'll talk about this idea in the New Testament is completely different than the Old Testament. The reason being, well, we have one high priest. He went in on our our behalf, right? Um, But in Judges 17, here you got Micah. And uh, I remember I said to Wayne last night, I said, if you were going to summarize... For instance, the book of Joshua, and using one word, what would you use? And we came to, I said, well, I said, uh, wouldn't victory, wouldn't that be good? And he said, yeah, yeah, that would be good. Right? And I said, now, if you were to summarize the book of Judges, what would be one word? What would be good? I I, I said to him, how about failure? Because it's really a picture of us, isn't it? We fail, we mess up, we fail, we continually do these things. And they had this cycle. They would sin against God, and then because of their sin, um, you know, God would bring them under bondage or servitude. And then they'd finally cry out to God and make supplication. I'm keeping it under S. Okay. And then God would bring a, upon them a, a, a judge who is in the form of a savior. And then they, of course, when he died, they'd do the same thing all over again. Well, here in in this portion, Micah, of course, he's got all these false gods. And then he realizes, hey, here's a guy. Who's, a pre- or who's from the tribe of Levi. And he says this, he says, I dwell with me and be a father to me and a priest. And uh, he says, uh, at the end of this, it tells you about him, how he's thinking. He says to himself, really, now I know that God will do me good, seeing I have a priest from the tribe of Levi, and my own priest, you see. I remember when I was in Ireland, you know, I was out going door to door, so I knocked on this lady's door. Because I think people are often, they have just a whole wrong idea, you know, about this. And anyway, this, you know, I, I did kind of what you do here. I had a little formula there. I said, do you ever, do you ever wonder about going to heaven? Do you ever wonder uh, whether you make it in kind of thing? I think I said to her, do you ever wonder about going to heaven, how you can be sure how to get there? And she kind of took me back and she said, yeah, I'm going. And so then, of course, I said, are you sure you're going straight to heaven? Because most Roman Catholics think, well, you're going to take a little detour there first before you get there, you know? And she said, yeah. And I said, really? It was really kind of puzzled. I said, what makes you think you're going? You know what she said to me? I'll, I'll give it to you in the Irish. She said, well, I have two priests that are sons like. And I said, oh. Oh, you have two priests that are sons? She said, well, yeah. She said, of course I'm in. And, you know, she looked at me, she said, are you daft? Are you, are you daft? Like, you know, I have two priests that are sons. I mean, of course. But you know what? The sad thing is, is that most people think of it kind of like that. They have no concept of how this even works with God. And I said, well, you know he, uh, anyway it was it was quite a long story with this lady, but she was convinced because she was going to somehow get in on on what they did well let 's look at just some contrast between these Old Testament priests and new testament believers okay now we 've already noted that uh, in the Old Testament, first of all, you had to be from the tribe of Levi, okay if you were from one of the other tribes, you had no opportunity. Um, to be a priest we didn 't see this, but you can look at this you couldn 't be crippled or blind or have any physical handicap. you would be dismissed from the priesthood okay um, There was only one place you could worship um, other things that we that you see there um, each priest had a particular function you know he wasn 't given any options there if he if this was your job you did what you were supposed to do you couldn't just say well no i like malcolm's got a better job i'm going to take over his it didn't work that way um he had to have special clothing very intricate now what do we see with new testament believers well we say that first of all it's to whosoever will right isn't that great you don't have to be from a certain background you don't have to be canadian or american or black, or white, or green, or blue. It, it's open to whosoever will. I mean, it's great to know that. Um, not only for men, it's for all believers, for ladies too. Now, um, we don't have one geographical place to worship. Why? Well, the center of our worship is is a person. It's actually the Lord Jesus, right? Um Now, we see within this realm that within the church, there are distinct roles for men and for women, okay? Again, it's like thinking of it this way, that God's the boss. In other words, he's over the thing and he has particular jobs for you to do, right? That he thinks you're the best qualified to do that job. And so he wants you to do that. And, you know, if you really want to be blessed by God, then you'll do what he says. I mean, I don't know. I have six kids. One of the things that always kind of drove me nuts with the kids. I say, Jerry, come here. Why? <laughs> just come here. Why? Because I'm going to slap you if you don't. <laughs> you know, no. no. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. You, the, the thing you want is you just want them to do what you say, right? That's what you want as a parent. You, don't, why question me? Right? Just Come. But, but why? Well, I would say to you today, well, just a couple other things on the contrast. Well, today we don't have special clothes, although a white shirt and black tie is a good thing. <laughs> so I have only <laughs> only one with it. A... No, you know, we don't have special clothing that we have to wear, okay? Um, now, let me just look at this. I would just submit to you that today many churches deny the priesthood function. And you say, well, how how is this? Well, most today um, still follow much of the distinctions that are in the Old Testament as far as how they function. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, there's a lot of places that will have a particular dress that they have to wear, right? And you have this uh, difference between the clergy and the laity, you know? I guess the schmucks and the guy up here, you know, that's sort of the idea, isn't it? That's sort of this distinction that they, they would have. Now within that, I remember this, um, years ago when I first got saved, I had a motorcycle business and I had, well, a few people you probably wouldn't want in your house, but they were good friends of mine. And, uh, one friend in particular, of course, he heard that I'd gotten religious, you know, or gotten saved and, um, Anyway, he came in to see me. I had to know this guy. He was kind of a pretty rough guy. So he first comes in he's, and he's looking at, looking at me. I'm going, like, what's, what's up there? Hey, how's it going, Wayne? And uh, it wasn't Wayne. <laughs> it's here a different way. And he says, uh, he says, well, I'm just wondering. He says, well, it hasn't gotten too bad yet. You haven't got the backwards collar on. That's what he said to me. Eh? <laughs> and I said, well, what you? oh, then I finally realized what he was talking about. And so we had a good chat, and I got to explain to him the gospel. But you see, and his concept was the guy who is this religious now, he's got to change, he's got to get a uniform on, right? And uh, people say, well, you know, we don't really practice that, we don't. there's only a few places that have special clothing. Well, there's some, of course, that give titles to people, right? You say, well, it's not really right. I remember I was with a brother in Ireland, we were at a conference that had all kinds of different churches, and... Um, it was kind of funny his name's Frank Hogan we're there and one of the guys I can't remember what denomination it was but anyway he had on there reverend whatever his name was and of course my buddy Frank who's a little different he you know I said hey how you doing Tim you know and Frank goes holy and reverend is his name <laughs> I'm there whoa whoa I'm out of here you know You know, and and of course he went on to say, well, that's what the scripture says, right? We're not supposed to take these names. You know, call no man father except for one in heaven. The idea is putting him on a level up here. Now, of course, most churches say, well, we don't do that. Well, how about the word pastor? Now here, of course, this has got me in lots of hot water with lots of people over, over time. And people say something like this. Well, hold on a minute. It's just a job title like any other, you know? Um... You know, how would it be? I say, really? Is that how it is? It's just that? Oh, yeah, that's all it is. I say, well, I mean, does that work? They go, what do you mean? Well, if I say, uh, hey, where's maintenance man Bob? Oh, he's in the back. You know? Hey, Carpenter Bill, how's it going? Office worker Susan, good stuff. Bank teller Rachel, how's it going? I mean, you sit there and you go, well, come on, that's kind of, you don't do that. And so they, they kind of get really a bit choked on that, right? I say to them, you know, um, I mean, you can do that with anybody and, and anything, right? And you sit there and you go, well, hold on, hold on. It's not really like that. I say, well, you know, why wouldn't, you know, you say, hi, hey, hairdresser, yammy, how's it going? You might say, yammy, the hairdresser, but you wouldn't call her the other way around, would you? It's just not really normal and so they get a little upset about that and they say something like this to me well it's just a term of endearment or respect and so I usually ask them well isn't it a gift well what do you mean well doesn't the Bible say it's a gift you know it's one of the spiritual gifts I mean you look at 1 Peter 4 Ephesians 4 Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 that's where the spiritual gifts are found what do you find I say it always talks about one body different uh, functions within the one body but I said, from what I understand, they're all the same level, right? I mean, in Acts, I mean, this is what Peter says. He says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, not above you or below you, right? But among you. So we're all basically on the same level. That's the idea. And of course, they go, Well, I still, yeah, but it's just a term of endearment or respect. I say, Well, hold on a minute. Does that really work? Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean,. Think of it if it's a gift, right? How many times would you hear this? Hey, I know you. Oh, yeah, you're, uh, you're, what's, oh, yeah, yeah. Mercy Lori, that's right. There's Mercy Lori over there. I mean, that wouldn't work. Or, hey, Teacher Mike or Evangelist Malcolm, you know, how's it going? Pastor Dave? (laughs) Or Elder Dave, I guess. (laughs) It just doesn't work. Or there goes Elder Aaron, you know. You'd look at it and you'd say, the bottom line with it, it's just not right, is it? We don't do that in life. Why would we do it in relation to that? Well, I would say because it's an office, right? It becomes this office. And, of course, um, like my son, for instance, he's, he's a, or my son-in-law, he's a youth pastor. You know, and I always kind of tease him with this. You know, hey, Pastor Sean, how's it going? Uh, I said, but you know, it's not right, Sean. Oh, it's just a term of... I said, we've gone through all this many times, right? It's not just a term of endearment, right? I said, you don't do that with anything else. It's a title that you're giving. You're putting yourself on a level above. I say all the gifts should be the same. It shouldn't be held up there any higher than anything else. But, I mean, this is exactly what we see in Christendom today. and This is what you don't see here. And Because why? They're trying to look at what the Scripture says and follow the Scripture. And so what do you see? Well, it's a tier system, isn't it? You start off, you're a youth pastor, right? Then, you know, you finally graduate along and you get to be an associate pastor. And then you become the pastor. And then you become the senior pastor. Now, this is where the argument, they always sit there, and are you saying that God isn't blessing them? Did I ever say that? No. I I said, and I I find this amazing, that God could ever use any of us. Ever. But it just shows the graciousness of God, doesn't it? I mean, there's places that I know that are doing tons of things wrong and God still sends people and still saving people because of who He is. Not because they're doing something right. Uh, You know, Wayne said here the other night, God only uses a clean vessel. I, you know what? That's not really true because he used Balaam, right? But I think that the idea is we want to be pure and clean before we can be used by him. We want to do things that would glorify him that he would be happy with. Now, you know, in Mark 10, 44, what's it say? It says, um, i trying to think of this verse. It says, uh, Son of Man came not to serve, but or sorry, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Right, and so he gives us this picture of a servant. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you go up to some big church and they'll have this. There's the minister's stall, right? The parking stall is right by the front door, or what have you. And I said, well, that that's not really true, is it? I mean, if a minister, if the word for minister means servant. I remember I was at a conference and a guy came to the door and he said, "Hey, what time does did you know what time does this did the service start?" And the guy looked at me and he said, "When the meeting's over." <laughs> I thought, "Well, hey, that's true, you know." And you know if you if it was really true, I mean you know that when you go into a place and you get a job and they say, "Well, look, you guys, you park way over there, leave the rest of the spots for the customers," right? I mean, if you're truly going to be a minister, you need to park two blocks away and walk. <laughs> you know, that's the thought. But we usually have the whole thing backwards, right? He who is greatest, let him be servant of all. Now, again, this is where, you know, my son would, son-in-law would say, well, you're just sort of nitpicking. It's just semantics, you know. You guys have elders. I said, but they don't have a badge that says Elder Dave, Right? It's not that they don't have pastors here. Dave already told you that, you know, they're doing the pastoral work, right? But it's a the work they're doing. They're called. It's a gift from God. It's not a title. And so within this, like, okay, let me give you an illustration. I thought, I thought this was pretty good. You decide, okay, I'm going to build a home. Because the question always is, well, does it really matter? I mean, they're getting blessed. They're doing it this way. They've got 1,500. What do you got, 50? Ha, <laughs> God must like them more, right? He must must be doing a lot more things right than you are. That's not necessarily true, is it? Does it really matter? Well, here you are. You're deciding, okay, I'm going to build my dream home. Moving to Florida, building my dream home. And so you go and you you get an architect. You go, here's the plan, right? You, you You tell him what you want. Tell him the room size, all these different things. And he spends the time and he makes up these plans for you, these blueprints. And so then you go and you hire up uh, your contractor and you give them the blueprint. and You go, here you go, can you make this house for me? Oh yeah, no problem, no worries. And so you're getting all excited. You there with your wife, and you know you can't wait to get your new place and all the things that you've always wanted and so on. Now when you get there, this is what you see. Okay, when you first get there, you start looking. You go, well hold on a minute. Like where's the games room? Oh there is no games room. What do you mean there's no games room? like you gave him the blueprint, right? And then you wander through there and you notice there's another room missing. And then as you're going along further, you go, where the heck are the skylights? There's no skylights. And the guy looks at you and he goes, well, I put three extra windows in, lots of light. You're already ready to hit the guy, right? And then, of course, your wife goes in and goes, oh, I want to see my master bedroom. i got a whole other bedroom just as my closet, you know? It's great. He goes in there and it's two feet by three feet. What are you going to do? Now, what would you do if you went over to the guy, right? And you say, look, I gave you the blueprint, buddy. What's the deal? And he looks at you and he goes, well, come on. He says, the blueprint, blueprint. Come on. I mean, I thought, you know, like for instance, we already discussed that. I put extra windows in. You know, I was just taking the thought flow what you wanted. You wanted a big house, lots of lights. I put a couple extra windows. I mean, you weren't really serious that you wanted me to follow it exactly, was it? I mean, <laughs> I don't think that conversation would ever happen, would it? You'd already be killing the guy. He'd say, look, I paid you money to make it my way. What makes you think you can just do it your own way? I never gave you that right. Now, just in light of that, I would submit to you, I think... The Bible is very clear, and it has a blueprint for how the church should function. Don't you think it's there? If you look at it, it's there. I can go through it with you. Now, the question is, are we following the structure? Do we do what God wants us to do? And again, I I would just submit to you, is it really um, just semantics? Is it a little thing, or is it really a big thing in the eyes of God? Turn uh, to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, you remember uh, this account in Nehemiah. This is with Ezra the priest. And here you have the children of Israel. Um, had, you know They've been in trouble with God, right? They've been exiled, and they're, they're returning from the exile. They, they haven't read the word of God. And he reads the word of God to them. And it says, um, uh, where is it, verse 1, "...they spoke to Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel." And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could under, hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein on the street that was before the water gate, uh, before the men and women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. In other words, they were hearing the scripture. Now, he hadn't heard it for a long time. And it says, Ezra the scribe, he actually had a pulpit of wood, maybe something like this. It says he was above the people. And I think that was just so they could hear okay and uh, it says this and Ezra opened the book and says when he opened it all the people stood up and whereas in verse 8 it says so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense. in other words he explained to them what God is saying and you know what happened they started to realize we haven't been doing what God says and in verse 9 it says this for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law they understood why God had brought them into bondage they understood all these things that had happened because they weren't following God. And wouldn't you wish that people would uh, respond the way they responded here from God's word. And we should be like that. Well, time is clicking away here. Just turn, um, turn over to Hebrews chapter 7. And you know, we already talked, uh, mentioned that the fact that we don't—we have one high priest now. He goes before us. We can come boldly to the throne of grace because the Lord Jesus um, has gone through that living way. He tells us the priesthood has changed um, in verse twelve of chapter seven. And um, we're, of course, told in other places, First Timothy 2.5, there's only one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Um, Romans 5.2 tells us, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how did he do it? Well, of course, it tells us in Revelation one five and 6, that, and it was interesting to hear Matt this morning share that, that it's only the blood of Christ. Right. And uh, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood. And he's made us a kingdom of priests to his God and father. Okay, And so this is this is our position because of what he's done. And so now, not only like I say, you don't have to be from a select crowd, but it's to everyone. Now, don't you want to function as the best priest you can? Right. Hopefully you do. So what is the functioning of the priest? Now go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's just go through these functions as a holy priest. And I would submit to you from verse 5. I'll just read it again in context. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile... And hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming is a living stone, disallowed of men uh, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also, as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. what for, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So here, as a priest, you can actually minister to the heart of God. How do you do it? Well, corporately, we see that in the the remembrance meeting, right? Often called the worship service. Well, it's actually not really the worship service, yet I tell you, worship pours through that service. It can't help. Why? Well, Jesus Christ is the center. You can't help it when you start thinking of him. You start pouring out your heart. Now, how, how is God saying this? Well, worship, giving to God. How? Well, you can do that with just being here. Your time, right? Sometimes it's with money. You know, I had a guy the other day just telling me, well, I'm not sure about the percentage, you know. How does this work? You know, do I, you know, I read one book where the guy was telling me I should just give everything. And I read another book where it says I should save up everything and eventually I can give to God. And I said, well... I said, the first one sounds a little more biblical. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, you remember the story of the lady with the two mites? And he said, well, kind of. And I said, well, let me refresh you. Jesus said she gave everything. Right? And he even brought it out that she gave more. That's how he puts it. Not that she just gave everything, but she gave more than the guy that gave lots. I mean, God owns everything. What can you give to God? Right? But one was a sacrifice. The other was out of the abundance. And so we can offer worship to God. Now, as a holy priest, we can do this. And it ministers to the heart of God. And it's not just confined to a meeting of the church, but always as a priest. You are a priest. I said the other night, I said, when you become a Christian, it actually tells us you're an ambassador for God, right? I mean, if you were chosen to be an ambassador for uh, Florida, the state of Florida, you would probably know lots about the state of Florida. You'd be able to tell me how you feed alligators, you know? Uh, make sure you keep your hand flat you know i mean you'd be able to tell all kinds of things about florida because you would want to know as a representative you got to be able to do your job right well you're called an ambassador you're called a priest what is one of the functions of a priest as a holy priest you can give praise how do we do that speaking well of the lord jesus right always thanksgiving appreciation of what christ has done what has he done for you Didn't it mean that much to you? Didn't he call you out of darkness as we read a little further into his marvelous light? In adoration, simply admiring him. Sometimes, you know, you're at the remembrance meeting and there's a quiet time. Boy, it's nice just to think on who he is, just to reflect, right, who he is. Maybe you can do that. I remember one of the most precious times I was picking apples out in an orchard. And uh, I just started thinking of him, you know, almost fell out of the tree, actually, you know, but it was just so good, you know, thinking of what he's done, just adoring who he is and singing, offering up songs to to our God. We should have a song on our lips all the time. Right. Have you ever experienced that when you're just so joyful in the Lord and someone someone says to you, what are you so happy about? Have you ever had that? It should happen to you all the time, actually. What, What are you so happy about? How can I not be happy? I'm homeward bound. I'm blessed with all the blessings in the heavenlies. Let me tell you about it. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> but we should be. Of all people, we should be, shouldn't we? If you're truly saved. Well, another aspect, when we gather together, right? It just shows our love for uh, reading the Word of God. Now, again here, it's... respect. It's. Um, This is fulfilled, how? By obedience to the word of God. Now, I'll tell you this. Now, sometimes, of course, when we look within the confines of the local gathering, we see that uh, you know there are distinct roles for men and women. And of course, I know it's well taught here, but I'll tell you what, and this is, I think it was Brother Dave Bosworth brought this out, of how the sisters minister to the heart of God. How? By wearing something on your head. I mean, it seems kind of silly to us, right? But the scriptures put it This way, and this is where I I like what Dave said, is that, well, you know, it talks about the angels looking on. He said, I think it's actually fallen angels. And that God sort of says, look at these guys down here. Here you got people, you know, these ladies, they could talk. They probably talk better than the guy up there for sure, you know. But because my word says that they're not supposed to talk, they're being obedient to that. And, you know, my word says to put something on their head. So they say, well, you know what? I'll do it. I'll put it on my head because God wants me to do that even because it says it here. And so they're just following a book. You had me before you. You had the glory of what I am. And yet you disobeyed me. And so as a priest, that's how you function before God. And it's just great to know that you can do that. Now, as royal priests, go down to verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priest. So the first, you know, as holy priests, we really minister to the heart of God. So we think of it as upward, okay? And now here, uh, as a royal priest, this is really manward. It's to those around us uh, here in the meeting, but also to everyone you, you meet. Well, how? By teaching the saints by example and by word. Are you a good teacher? Are you teaching people by how you're living for the Lord? Um, you know, just within this, remember, what were the first Christians called? Or they were first called Christians at a place called Antioch. Why? What does the wor- word mean? Well, the word was derived from the idea that they were little Christ. They were little ones that followed him, right? I mean, think of it this way. Imagine uh, me, I'm telling you, yeah, I'm the best fan of uh, Miami, Miami Dolphins, right? And you go to the game and you notice, there's Tim, Hey, he's got a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey on. What's the deal? Oh, well, you know, I like the colors of theirs more. That would be strange, wouldn't it? Well, as a priest for God, saying you love the Lord with your mouth, shouldn't the actions follow what you're saying? Right? Often you're the only Bible someone will read, right? And so other ways. Preaching. Correcting the saints and instructing. Now, sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm a a woman. I can't... Preach. Now, don't let my wife hear this, but she's probably the best preacher I ever heard. She's instructed me more than anyone else. Definitely don't tell her that. Um, You know, that's what we saw. You see that from Scripture. Remember Aquila and Priscilla? They took Paulus aside, straightened him out on his teaching. I mean, you as a sister, sometimes you have insight in the word that uh, is great. Share that. Don't be afraid to share that. Service. Now here, again, just both to the saints and to those around you, they'll know that you're a Christian, so how? By your love. I mean, when you're doing something, that, that just that breaks all barriers. People don't understand how you could do that. Why are they doing that? Because, you, you know, you just love them. Just try and see them through the eyes of Christ. Discipling. Help the saints to grow. Now let me ask you a question. Who are you discipling? Hopefully you say, well, I've got three or four this week. Uh you know, nowadays it kind of drives me nuts, but they're all into this texting thing, you know, so it's like, oh, I've got to go to school again, learn how to use this thing, you know. But you should have people that you're discipling that look to you and you're trying to instruct them and help them. Maybe like I say, often within that they're they're helping you as well, right? It's twofold for sure, but we should be discipling. And prayer. Now, what is prayer? Here you can go, intercession for the saints to God, right? But you can also um, pray for people's soul. Again, bringing the petitions to God. As a priest, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, if we think of this idea, what, what does it say there? A peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, here as a royal priest, I would just say this. By presenting... To a dying world that's what we're going to do tonight hopefully right Is we want to show them the love of god how by sharing the gospel with them uh, i remember one of the times i was preaching in the open air with a brother and he just you know like his first thing out of his mouth was you know i love you and you know god loves you and i love you and i really love you and so i got up there the first thing i said was i don't love you at all <laughs> of course i always win friends that way you know but uh I said, but let me, you know, I said, how can I tell you I love you? I don't even know you, right? But I can honestly tell you this, that God does love you. That God gave his son to die for you. And I love God. And he's asked me to tell you this. He wants you to come in. His house is empty. You know, it's it's never going to be filled he, to whosoever will. That's for you and for me. It's great to know that. Here's another thing. Tell them your testimony as a royal priest, right? Now, again, I, I shared with the kids, I said, you know, if it's something you really like, you have no problem talking about it. Uh, Wayne was telling me his son, he said, that you could go on a trip with him to California and you would probably get six word. Where are we going? California. Hey, how's it going? Good. <laughs> what are you up to? Not much. You know, he <laughs> just won't get anything out of him, right? But you mentioned to him he's really into hockey, Hey, what about the Vancouver? Vancouver Connect, blah, 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 blah. You know, he just goes on and on forever. Right? I said, you know, it's because he's interested in that. Sometimes people are like that with their car. You know, I said to them, imagine you get a brand new car. I come over, whoa, look at that car, man. I love the color red. You go, red, really? Is it red? Oh. No, you'd be going, yeah, I know, it's best. Candy apple red, and look at this. And, you know, you'd be going through it, telling them all about it. Because it meant something to you. And maybe this doesn't mean anything to you. Maybe you've got to check yourself. Maybe, uh, you know, the challenge is it says, where is that? Um, where is it? 2 Corinthians 13.5. It says to examine yourself whether you're in the faith. Maybe you're not even saved. Because if it doesn't mean anything to you, uh, you're probably not even saved. If you, if you haven't been called out of darkness, if you're still sitting there going, oh, man, will that guy get on with it? Look at that. 20 minutes over normal. Man, what's the matter with him? Well, we're just the first part here. No, you, you, Doesn't it doesn't it mean something to you? Don't you understand that uh, he poured out his blood? I remember sharing the gospel with a guy, and I said to him, I just gave him this as an illustration. I said, you know, you just don't understand what Christ has done. Oh, I've heard this story. Jesus died on the cross, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, your son, he was about the same age as my son. And I said, I want you to think of it this way. Because I said, what, what the, this is how the Bible will describe I'll tell you in a minute. But I said, your son and my son, they're pretty good friends, okay? And um, my son, we find out he's got this terminal disease, and he's about to die from this disease. And uh, you go, oh, man, that's, that's not good. But your son and my son are really good friends. Now, we are found out that the only person that can actually help him is your son. He's got the right type of blood. He's the only one available. But there's a real risk, and it's actually 50-50 that he might die in doing it. Now, you're telling him, don't do it. But, you know, your son loves him so much, he decides, oh, I'm going to do it. And he goes and does the operation, and and he dies in the process. And I said to him, I said, now, you come back over to my house. You knock on the door. You're, of course, in tears. I say, you know, I'm very sorry about your son, you know. And he says, yes, I know. I know it's, but... He loved your son so much. I'd like to give you that. And I go, "Ah, no. He said, what do you mean? Actually, that's what he said to me. What do you mean? I said, no, no, we've changed our mind. We're going to try other methods. We appreciate the thought, but no. I said, what would you do? He said, I'd already kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know, but John, this is what you're doing. The Bible says you tread underfoot the Son of God. You're you're saying that, you know, it's not good enough for me. And if you don't understand that Christ did this for you, he bled and he died for you so you could have eternal life. This is the message that we have. It's a message of hope. He wants you to have eternal life. He paid for it with his own blood. So you as a priest, this is what you should do. Go to God on their behalf ask god to have mercy on them and then bring them the word of god from god this is what god says you're in big trouble here you don't understand you're separated from god but he wants to make you part of his family let's close in prayer lord we want to thank you so much for your goodness your love to us i want to thank you for uh, i just want to thank you for dying for me lord help us to understand the, these truths uh, Help us to go forth with your word, um, just just to be able to express that we truly love you and that you love them. So help us to do this. We pray for each one here. Maybe there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you. or We would just pray that your spirit would show, so show them that their need to turn to you. So we just commit it to you again in Jesus' name. Amen.